2: When El Chapo escaped. Oh, he came through here. Escaped from the Marines and the DEA in that house that we were at a few minutes ago. He came out from this tunnel. So we're looking
0: at a, a concrete tunnel that's about maybe five and a half feet tall. I'm about five seven, and I have to hunch over. So I'm am I'm about Chapo's height, more or less. This is too too short even for me to like stand up upright. Uh, I'm guessing this is like sewage water that's running off here, so I'm not getting my shoes in it. He ran for like three miles through this, naked apparently, because he was running out, like got busted mid-coitus. So he comes out of this tunnel, goes up the stairs right next to us, and it's along a major road. His guys are waiting for him, and he jets off to Mazatlan. Goes to the beach, essentially.
2: And that's where uh, this uh the agent, uh, uh, what's his name? Hogan. Hogan, uh, Boston. Episode 6, The Hunt.
0: Chapo had spent most of the 90s in prison. Then he escapes in 2001 and is basically on the run for the next 13 years. He was constantly on the move during this time, trying to avoid getting captured. And there are some near misses, like when he escapes his safe house via the sewage tunnel. But he always
1: finds a way out, until he doesn't. My name is Drew Hogan. I was a former DEA special agent that led the investigation and capture of Chapa Guzman. Drew was in the DEA from 2006 to 2014. He's tall, with short blonde hair, blue
0: eyes. He looks straight out of central casting for a DEA agent. I talked to him in Chicago, where he lives now. When he was a rookie in the DEA, Drew's first assignment was in San Diego, where he was part of a drug task force. Chapo was on the FBI's most wanted list by that point, but there hadn't been a lot of progress in actually tracking him down. So Drew starts learning all about El Chapo. How he'd gone from being this kid from the sticks to one of the biggest narco traffickers in Mexico. He kind of fixates on him. Drew's working with a partner who he calls Diego, since this guy is still undercover.
1: Diego exposed me to the the narco corrido that we've all heard or a lot of people have heard called El Niño de Latuna, which is the uh, the boy from Latuna.
2: And
1: as Diego Educated me more and more. It just became, you know, it became apparent to me is what 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 I wanted to do. That, that was the biggest biggest fish. And so let's let's go after that guy.
0: Drew goes through every file the agency has on Chapo.
1: At first, there aren't any solid leads. Everybody that we came across in the streets are arrested. Who's this dope belong to? Ultimately, Chapo, right? All the
0: people the DEA agents are talking to say that one way or another, every drug shipment can be traced back to El Chapo. But a lot of these leads turn out to be dead ends. Our strategy was to work our way up the ladder. No one has actually been able to work their
1: way up the chain to Chapo. So Drew and his partner decide to start at the bottom. The street level investigations that Diego and I worked over the years led us into a multi million dollar money laundering cell. That money laundering cell
0: is aligned with the Sinaloa cartel and it's crucial to Chapo's business. Drug trafficking operations like his move huge amounts of cash, which poses some serious challenges.
2: Right. It's not like they can just walk into a bank with briefcases full of millions of dollars and make a deposit. They need people who can move their money through other businesses to make it look legal.
0: So Drew and his partner become money launderers,
1: and they start to move the cartel's cash.
0: Where would you bring it? Like, would you put it in your car? Like, you know what I mean?
1: Like... It's funny, because those were the questions that we had before we started doing it. <laughs> okay. How does this all work, right? What, what does this look like? We, we run out and pick up a, a duffel bag full of money, and, and yes, the answer is yes. I mean, that's, that's really the way it happens.
0: His partner Diego actually fools the cartel into thinking he's the director of operations for this U.S. company that's a front for a huge criminal enterprise. It's supposed to be the sort of organization that would have access to boats and airplanes
1: and tractor trailers to transport drugs all over the world and to be able to launder millions of dollars. I mean, our first money pickup, they were talking about, it was $109,000. They actually delivered it to us in a laundry detergent bucket in a Home Depot parking lot. (laughs) Believe it or
0: not. So you're like literally laundering the money (laughs) in a laundry detergent bucket. Yes.
1: After that, it was time to talk about moving cocaine for them. They start to offer up cocaine transportation contracts. With that level of trust, they're able to get some
0: really good intel, which helps them bust Sinaloa cartel guys in Mexico, Canada,
1: Colombia, and the U.S., we had any chance of capturing Chapo whatsoever, I needed to be in, in Mexico. In 2011, right before Drew moves down to Mexico, the DEA catches a break. I was ready to go to Mexico City, and Diego had flipped a key member of Chapo's inner circle at the U.S.-Mexico border. A member of Chapo's inner circle is detained while trying to cross the border. Diego calls me up, and he's, he's pretty excited, and he's like, I got his number. I'm like, whose number? I got C's number. Like, literally the phone that Chapo holds in his hand. Literally the phone. A month later, the
0: phone is traced to a house near Cabo San Lucas, a resort city at the tip of Baja, California. They ping the device to a, uh, a mansion there just outside Cabo. And once the DEA and Mexican federal police think they know where Chapo is, they organize a joint
1: operation to go after him. The limited resources that they have, and Chapo escapes out the back door. Still,
0: they search the house and collect all the evidence they can. What the team learns changes
1: how they see Chapo. He was, he was vulnerable. He wasn't traveling around with 100 armed bodyguards and driving around black suburbans everywhere. You know, if you think about it, if you're on the run for 10 years, you're going to be watching your back wherever you go. I mean, How many people are you going to tell where you're at?
0: Now they think they really have a chance of capturing him. And after that near-miss in Cabo, he becomes even more isolated, only communicating with the outside world via one of his personal assistants. There are two guys who take turns staying with him day and night. Over the next year or so, the DEA figures out that Chapo's phone rarely leaves a network of safe houses in Khan. But they still don't have Chapo's exact location. To get that, they need someone in Chapo's
1: inner circle. Our only option at that time was a courier by the name of Naris, which means the, the nose. Our guys on the ground found him uh, near his home and he coughed up Chapo's location, which we were able to corroborate via the pings that he was now at a different safe house. He was starting to move. Um, he was at safe house five, we had labeled it. It was a, um, a two-story, medium-sized home in, in a neighborhood, didn't stand out at all.
0: So we are outside of what was once El Chapo's safe house in Culiacan. It's nice but not super nice. It's like a pretty generic residential block with other pretty nondescript, I would say like middle class houses for Culiacan.
2: I think the goal was to keep it low.
0: It's got sort of two big brown garage doors on the front and then this like super heavy steel reinforced door on february 17th, 2014 the mexican marines stormed the house through one of the garage doors
1: so it takes the marines um, probably a good 10 minutes to get through the steel reinforced door to talk to one of my guys on the ground who said that he could see the lights come on upstairs he could see people peeking through the blinds and by the time the marines got through that door and into the house everybody was gone and we walk in through the front door and into the bathroom that's off the bedroom and see the tub that's propped up at a 45-degree angle with a tunnel below it. Had a ladder underneath of it that went down to a fully shored tunnel with lighting, about 10-foot underground, that connected directly to a door in the city's sewer system. And you open up that door and there you are in a labyrinth of sewer tunnels built by the city. So it was so close that he didn't have time to get dressed. He's like naked running through the sewer. Right, which was, I guess, typical because when I was in down there in one of the tunnels, he had a white plastic grocery bag full of tidy whities. <laughs> at his disposal. I mean, how, how, <laughs> how often do you escape from a tunnel, you know, naked, where you have to have a go bag of tidy ways hanging <laughs> there? You go bag the tunnel? Yes. What's going through your head when you walk in and see this,
0: this bathtub popped up and know that, oh shit,
1: he's gone? That was the moment where it was like, all right, the hunt's on now, you know? The hunt's on. Mm-hmm.
0: It turns out that all of Chapo's safe houses have tunnels underneath their bathtubs that lead into the sewers. And tidy whities aren't the only thing he has stashed down there. Drew says they also found Chapo's rainy day fund.
1: In one tunnel, we found three tons of meth.
0: After Chapo's escape, Drew's team and the Mexican Marines set up shop inside Chapo's safe house.
1: We ended up cooking some eggs on the stove and making some instant coffee in his, in his kitchen.
0: While they planned their next move, They even sleep there. Drew also goes into Chapo's closet and
1: takes one of Chapo's signature black baseball caps. I took one and and stuck it underneath my vest, kind of as the only souvenir of the hunt, really. He says Chapo's house was pretty simple. White plastic Walmart-style furniture for his kitchen table and chairs, faux leather couches, maybe a picture or two hanging on the wall, dark cabinets. Nothing that you would expect any, you know, billionaire drug kingpin to, to have. But this was Chapo's style. Yeah. He didn't come from much. Um, I don't think he necessarily needed much. He didn't need to flaunt things.
2: I think that's what most people who know what Chapo would say about him. Like he knew all the little details of his business, the price of fuel for his planes, and how much he's bribing people in the government. He cared about stuff like that.
0: His main vice seems to be women. He's been married three times and apparently has at least 12 kids. His current wife is a local beauty queen and he has a reputation as a womanizer. Drew says they intercepted messages that showed Chapo making arrangements to have sex workers sent to his safe houses. He had like this
1: menu of women he could choose from. And the madame would deliver the selected to a courier who would transport that gal over to, the, over to the house for the night, and uh, he would do that. It was, uh, it was non-stop. After a few more days gathering leads,
0: the Mexican Marines and the DEA find out that Chapo has fled to Mazatlan, a town on the Sinaloan coast. They have Chapo's assistant's phone number, and they're able to pinpoint Chapo's exact location at a hotel on the beach. On February 22,
1: 2014, they make their move. I drove the lead car along with uh, the commanding lieutenant, and we pulled right up there to the front of the hotel. The gates were open. Um, the Marines started flooding the inside. The lights are coming on on the fourth floor. And all of a sudden, he realizes that maybe Chapo has another escape route all set up, and that he might get away again. So I run down to the street, because I'm, I'm going to physically jog our perimeter to make sure that we're covered, because if he's escaping, he's doing it right at this very moment. That's when I hear excited radio chatter that says, we've got the target. We've got the target. Drew rushes to
0: where everyone's gathered, a parking garage underneath the hotel.
1: Marines were standing around and they were just starting to stand up, a guy with no shirt. And at this time, I'm wearing Chapo's black baseball cap that I had taken from his, his safe house and a black ski mask. And I run right up to him, jump into his face and yell the first thing that comes to my mind, which is... What's up, Chapo? And it echoes through the parking deck and uh, you know his eyes kind of bulge out there for a second because he thought he was gonna get hit and I let him pass. They threw him into the back of my vehicle and I jumped in and I, I took several pictures of him and, uh, and that was it. We're talking about a brutal Mexican drug lord named Joaquin Guzman, known as El Chapo or Shorty. Tonight, he's in a prison in Mexico City Captured in a joint U.S.-Mexican operation.
2: No one could believe that El Chapo got captured. No one. We believe he used to be protected by the government.
0: Immediately after El Chapo was busted, people took to the streets in Cuyacan, demanding that he be set free. Thousands of people take to the streets, showing support for a man they see as their savior. Free El Chapo say
2: some signs. Chapo, give me a baby, says another. Well, I'm pretty sure... These people were paid by the cartel. People love El Chapo, but not that much.
0: President Enrique Peña Nieto takes it as a national triumph. Chapo was put in a supermax prison outside of Mexico City. And the government makes a big deal about how they're going to keep a close watch on him. Like there's no way he'll ever see the light of day again. But Chapo being Chapo, that's not how it goes. This is Good Morning America. Start here with the breaking news. He has done it again. One year after he was captured and paraded in front of the cameras, El Chapo has escaped from a maximum security prison in Mexico.
2: He is virtually vanishing into thin air. A little more than a year after El Chapo's capture in Mazatlan, on the night of July 11, 2015... He escapes again
0: there's security video that shows chapo sitting up in his bed walking to the shower area of his cell and ducking behind a short wall and then just like that he's gone he escapes again through a tunnel this one goes from a construction site about a mile away from the prison to right under chapo's cell it has lights and ventilation there's also a motorcycle mounted on a rail
2: which chapo apparently
0: rides to freedom
2: for the Mexican government uh, to exhibit El Chapo, oh, we got El Chapo, that was like a big thing. That's why when he escaped prison, the Mexican government was so outrageous, was very mad because wha- what happened? They, uh, El Chapo made them look like, you know, a bunch of stupids he couldn't hold a prisoner.
0: And then things get even weirder.
1: The first interview that El is given, not in an interrogation room, and it goes to all people, a celebrity. Actor Sean Penn uh, was able to connect with the drug Kingpin after uh, an interview was brokered between him and an actress, Kate Del Castillo, a famous Mexican actress here. It reportedly took place three months after the escape of El Chapo.
0: When Chapo was in prison for that year or so after Drew captured him, he asked his lawyers in Mexico to contact the actress Kate Del Castillo, who's one of Mexico's biggest TV stars. She'd recently played a drug trafficker in a soap opera. And she'd also been vocal about saying that the Mexican people can't trust their government. She said on Twitter that she believes more in drug traffickers like El Chapo.
2: The actress and the drug lord began texting.
0: When the media finds out that this soap opera actress is in regular contact with El Chapo, they have a field day.
1: It looks like a bit of a seduction. Oh my God, that's, they said I had a relationship with the guy. This mass media lynching was that, sexualizing the whole thing.
0: That's Kate Del Castillo on Nightline, talking about her conversations with Chapo. It's clear from the text messages that Chapo has a thing for her, and that she wants the rights to his life story. At this point, Kate is in LA, and she connects with Sean Penn. She thinks he'll add more star power to the project. They decide to meet El Chapo in person. By this time, Chapo has been on the run for four months since he made his motorcycle escape. So in October 2015, they fly down to Sinaloa and are driven to this house in the Sierra where they meet El Chapo. They have a meal with him, drink some tequila, and talk about the movie business. They go back to L.A., and just a few days later, the Mexican military comes in and almost gets Chapo at his hideout in the mountains. Then in January, they track him to a safe house in Los Mochis, a town on the coast of Sinaloa.
2: The Marines raid the house at four in the morning. — There's a big shootout, and a bunch of El Chapo's gunmen are killed.
0: — El Chapo and his bodyguard escape through another tunnel and come out at a highway where they hijack a car.
2: — They're speeding uptown. When they hit a federal police checkpoint, El Chapo tries to drive his way through. Instead, the cops arrest him.
0: Early that afternoon, President Peña Nieto sends out a tweet in Spanish, which basically says, mission accomplished. We got him. The next day, Rolling Stone publishes a feature story that Sean Penn has written about his meeting with El Chapo.
1: So what do you think about what uh, Sean Penn did here? It's a disaster
0: of an article. I mean, in it, Sean Penn writes about farting in front of El Chapo.
1: Well, it's an insult to the Mexican journalists who face death every day. This is a farce. It makes a mockery of what Mexican journalists try to do every day.
0: This whole thing ends badly for pretty much everyone involved. Chapo winds up back in prison. And to this day, Kate del Castillo feels like she can't return to Mexico. She's afraid she'll get arrested for associating with a drug lord or that Chapo's people will blame her for getting him captured. The Mexican government said they'd been intercepting text messages between her and Chapo. It turns out they were already on his trail and the text just helped. Even Sean Penn seems worried about getting blamed for the capture. He goes on 60 Minutes and claims it wasn't his fault. Do you believe
1: that the Mexican government released this in part because they wanted to see you blamed and to put you at risk? Yes. They wanted to encourage the cartel to put you in their crosshairs? Yes.
0: Are you fearful for your life? No. Sean Penn and Kate Del Castillo turned down interview requests, and the editors of Rolling Stone also declined to speak with us. They did get Chapo to tape a video of himself responding to a list of questions, which is one of the only recordings of him that exists. That video may actually be used as evidence against Chapo during his trial. In it, Chapo's on a ranch. He admits to being a drug trafficker, And he also says the drug trade is bigger than just him and that it won't stop when he's gone.
2: He's saying when I'm gone, the drug trade will still exist. Nothing's going to change.
0: In January 2016, El Chapo was taken into custody for good, and then came the fallout. That's next time. So what happened on, on the, the day he was killed? Where were you when this happened?
2: I was, I was in this uh, hotel, Lucerna. I was waiting for someone.
0: Where? In Culiacan?
2: Yes. And I got a call, and it was uh, a smile. The director of the newspaper. And I, hey, hey, Ismail, what's up? And, and there's silence on the other side. Ismail, and then I heard like someone crying. Ismail, he say, lo mataron, they killed him. What the fuck is happening?